Thank you, Pastor. It's my privilege to read from God's Word this morning before our pastor comes. So if you've got your Bible with you or your device, we'll be reading from the book of Mark. The book of Mark, chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. So Mark 7, 24, 30. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as he, as soon as, as soon as she had heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Cyrene, Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive out the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child laying on the bed, and the demon had gone. Thank you, Tim. Good morning, everyone. Good to be with you this morning. And to those that are watching online this morning, great to have you with us. And as Shane was mentioning just a while ago, we look forward to uh, when you're in person here with us as well, too, because this is a great spot to be. And for those who are just kind of sneaking their way back in over the last couple of weeks, good to have you. And parents, have you had a great holiday break with your kids? Yeah. You ready for them to go back to school? Yeah. Kids, are you ready to go back to school? Oh, a bit of a mixture of responses, fans. Well, there you go. Shouldn't surprise you um, in those situations. Hey, uh, one of the things that uh, I'm thinking about with Josh and Steph as they're about, or well, they're kind of getting ready to leave, uh, it, is, it is just wonderful to see uh, people coming from within our own contexts going out uh, into ministry as well too and we're super proud of that family and uh, looking forward to uh, walking with them uh, as they kind of walk out, the, the, the living out in the Northern Territory. The reality is uh, they're going to be faced with a whole number of different surprises as they kind of make their move. They've lived in the Tiwi Islands but they've never lived in this community before and uh, There'll be different things for them to kind of experience to get their heads around as well too. Just like all of us at different times, we come up against things that might surprise us. Now, uh, I don't know whether uh, anybody up late last night watching the tennis by any chance? Yeah, few people go Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. You know what? That was pretty exciting to see Ash Barty. I stayed up and at the end of the first set, I thought, oh, this is good. It's 11.30, quarter to 12. She'll be done with the second set. I'll be able to go to bed. I'll get a good night's sleep. Well, it went on to 1 o'clock this morning. And uh, then I couldn't sleep when I went to bed as well too. So I am sure that I will sleep tonight. Uh, but, you know, you think about things that might surprise you. You think about me staying up uh, to the wee hours of the morning. Uh, do you know, uh, let me just share with you a couple of surprising, crazy facts about Australia. See, did you realize that, uh, or did you know, that the uh, the... ACT, the capital, the capital of Australia, uh, was placed where it was in Canberra only after Melbourne and Sydney wouldn't stop arguing about into which location it was going to go. And they said, well, this is where we're going to put it, in this location. And, uh, you know, did you know there was also, there are three times more sheep in this country than there are people? 
there's a lot of sheep here around this place. And uh, if you were to try and, if you made yourself, uh, uh, you decided to think, okay, I'm going to get around every beach location on the coast of Australia. And if you were to go to a, a separate beach every day, it would take you 27 years to get around every beach uh, dotted around the, the edge of Australia. There you go. That just helps you today when you sit down over lunch and you're having a conversation with somebody. You know what? There is invariably there is something in all of us that uh, we have been surprised of. It might have even been this week something that just kind of got your attention in a different way, or something that's kind of fallen in your lap, or something you weren't expecting. It's a little bit how uh, I felt when uh, I kind of opened to read the seventh chapter of the Gospel of Mark, and I read this story once again. In fact, probably surprise is not the right word. Probably shock is the right word. When I'm reading this story, and here it is, we get this sense of Jesus uh, talking to this woman in her point of need and calling her a dog. I'm not sure how that got your attention today, uh, but uh, it certainly would have got the attention of the people in that day, and it got my attention as well. But, you know, as you read this story... You know, uh, that's, uh, you know, there may be this sense of, yeah, a sense of injustice that might arise in you and think, well, hang on, what in the world is Jesus calling or referring to this woman like this? See, as you read the story, really what lies below this is not so much that statement that was made, but in this story are some great lessons of faith for us. As we sit here in this room or as we watch online today, uh, lessons that remind us and significant lessons for us in our times of needs. You know, if you've got your Bible this morning, I want to encourage you to have it open and we're going to kind of explore this story for just a few moments. But in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 7, there's one only other place in the Scriptures where this story is recorded and that's in the, the Gospel of Matthew. But as we kind of come to this story this morning, if you're kind of new to us or you turned up today or just watching for the very first time online, uh, we have been tracing this story, this unfolding story of King Jesus through the gospel of Mark. And we kind of began a, a few weeks ago and next uh, Sunday, well, next weekend, we're going to kind of put a bookend on it for a period of time. And then we're going to kind of come back to the last part of the gospel of Mark because it begins to pick up on that last week of Jesus. And so we're going to come back to that uh, early next year and going to lead us into to the Easter period. But as we come to it today, we kind of come on the back end of Jesus having just confronted the Pharisees and the religious leaders, and he had actually rebuked them, the scribes and the Pharisees, for their for, for emphasizing, for focusing on their age-old traditions, their, their, their man-made traditions, and elevating them over the authority of God's words. And in essence, as Jesus was talking to them, he was talking to the much larger crowd and, 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 and reminding them that God is not interested at all in our superficial religiosity. And Mark then tells us that shortly thereafter, Jesus and his 12 disciples left that region and they headed to this place that Tim just read this morning in Mark chapter 7, a place in the region of Tyre. And they had snuck off into this presence away from the crowds to, uh, to, 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 for, a, for some moment of rest or, or for some solitary uh, moments there. We're not quite sure. We're, the whole reason is not explained to us. But in Mark chapter 6, towards the end of that, Jesus was urging his disciples to pull away. And so maybe this is the instance where Jesus said, look, this is it. We've just got to get away. You know, it's a bit like, uh, I don't know whether you've ever spent a lot of time with people, but, you know, you get those moments in your life where you just think, you know what? I just want to have a break. 
Well, that's what Jesus is possibly thinking with his disciples. And they're looking to escape. They're wanting to enter into this uh, town, this village in the region of Tyre that was known. It wasn't Jewish. It was a Gentile town. They wanted to kind of sneak into this place and really to have nobody know that they were there. But it's in this place that word got out that Jesus was there, the miracle worker. And there is this woman who comes searching for him, looking for help. The Gospel of Matthew, I think, actually captures her response just much more deeply. And if you've got the chance to go there in Matthew chapter 15, verse 22, this is what it says about her desperation. It says, a Gentile woman who lived there, so in that village, came to him, pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David." For my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Now, what did Jesus do in that moment? Well, as a compassionate, gracious, and a pastoral response, he, he kind of comes to her need? Well, not at all. You kind of go back to the Gospel of Mark and we're told that it just doesn't respond to her at all. I mean, can you imagine kind of turning up in this place on a weekend, one of our weekend gatherings, and you're desperately in needs, and you come here because you know that, well, you know, people talk about Bendigo Baptist Church and their level of care, and they're well known in the community, and they're doing a good thing, and you turn up here, and you come begging and pleading, you come to look for me, and my response to you is just a bit of indifference. Don't even respond to you. I mean, we're to get Aaron pretty quickly, and you'd be pretty upset by that response, thinking, he calls himself a pastor? I've kind of come, and I'm looking for someone to respond to my point of need, and there is no response. Well, this is kind of how Jesus initially responds to the woman. And so she doesn't get any response from him, and so then she kind of turns around, and she begins to beg and to plead with his disciples. Really obnoxiously. And to which the disciples then, uh, they respond to her. They come back to Jesus and they said, tell her to go away. She is bothering us with all of her begging. You know, that scene, I was trying to think about that this week uh, and thinking about what that might look like for us personally. I don't know uh, how many of you parents have ever done a long road trip, but, uh, you know, when you've gone somewhere and it's taken a few hours and you've got a whole tribe of kids in the back of your car and after a period of time, there's a noise that's kind of coming out and usually the trip will start well. You know, for example, if you're going to Queensland, which I've done a couple of times, the carload of kids, usually it starts really well because everybody is excited about the trip. You leave early, the car's packed, you leave early, the kids are in the car and, and after a period of time, because it's dark, usually the kids, well, they'll fall asleep but about three or four hours down the road, they start to wake up and what are they? They're hungry. And they're looking for some food. And so you can placate them for a little bit. You can kind of stick things in their mouths and say, hey, suck on this or eat this or drink this. And, but have you ever noticed that on a, on a major highway, it seems like Macca's is about, uh, you know, strategically located every couple of hundred kilometers down the roads? And you just kind of get past one thing, whew, we're not going to have to stop there. And about an hour and a half later, you, you see signs and the golden arches and they're coming up again. 
Well, if you've ever done that long trip, you know that as you kind of, you know, 10, 12 hours into that trip, by that point in time, not only are the kids a bit feral in the back, but they're fighting with one another, they're yelling, they're complaining, and they're like, you know what? And what do you do as parents? You say, oh, I am so glad there's a McDonald's right here. Let's pull over, let's stop, let's give them what they want. Well, there was no McDonald's in this story, but it's a little bit what Jesus, what, what these disciples were experiencing. This woman was so persistent in her begging, so persistent in her need that she kind of just kept coming at them. Jesus didn't listen to her, so she came to the disciples, and in the end they just said, you know what, Jesus, would you do something about this? Well, finally, you know what, here's where the story gets interesting. Surely Jesus is going to respond now. Well, he does, but it's not in the way in which you think he's going to respond. See, if you've got your finger right there in the Gospel of Mark, this is what he says. Verse 27, first I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and to throw it to the dogs. Huh? It's not a very pastoral response. I mean, why would Jesus kind of respond in that particular way? In fact, uh, you know, it's a somewhat of a disparaging comment that uh, the Jewish people would often make of people who were outside the house of Israel, referred to them as dogs. You know, why, why would Jesus make a comment like this to a woman in a time of needs? I mean, after all, she hadn't come asking for bread. She just wanted to help her daughter who was experiencing demon possession. I mean, why would Jesus treat a sick child in that particular way? And we can read that, and that can begin to stir within us a real sense of injustice. You know, we don't mind Jesus being rude towards the Pharisees. I mean, after all, they deserve it. You know, these are the individuals who should have known better, and they just kind of enjoyed kind of heaping loads on people. That's the kind of comment maybe you'd make of the religious leaders. Not a, not a woman in her time of need. Well, to understand this story and this encounter, we, we actually have to see it in light of the mission and the ministry of what Jesus had come to do. You see, we're told from the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark, and knowing that this Gospel was written to people outside of the Jewish family, it was written to, to people who were non-Jews, Gentiles, you might call them. That was the whole point of Mark writing this. You see, Mark has made it very clear from the beginning that the, the ministry of Jesus was primarily to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And this woman, she was a Gentile. She was not a part of the covenant family of Israel. And so therefore, she was not really the focus of Jesus' ministry. Now, the ministry of Jesus and the, the good news, the, the, the sense that the kingdom of heaven had drawn near, it was going to, in time, begin to spread well beyond the Jewish people out into a Gentile world. But it wasn't the calling of Jesus in this instance. And it kind of probably helps us to understand why in the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus sent the 12 out on mission, they'd been with him for a period of time, and now he says, okay, guys, it's time for you to get out. It's time for you to go out into ministry. He says these words to them in Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. He said, don't go to the Gentiles or to the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. So really, in one sense, it explains why Jesus initially ignored her. 
in doing that, and even in part of his response, he's indicating that there are other things that really need to be completed first. The Gentiles, well, they would be brought in soon enough. We know that because we live on the other side of that story. But for the moment, it was vital that he not be distracted from his task. You see, in this instance, Jesus just kind of come north out of this Jewish territory, not to preach or to heal, but to lie low for a while after doing some risky, after doing a, a few different risky things in that sense. Now, this woman's response to what could be perceived as a disparaging comment shows what I think to be her amazing faith in Jesus as both not only the Son of God, but also the Messiah. And this is what she says, verse 28. She says, well, that's true, Lord. I realize that you go back when he said, uh, your first priority is to the lost sheep uh, of uh, the covenant family of Israel. She says, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. See, her response in that moment showed something, uh, revealed something much deeper to her, to Jesus, that at first may not have been seen. You see, she is like the... You, you read through the Gospels and you come across it time and time again. You, you see the story. She's like the, the man that is lowered down through the roof by his friends just so this man could meet Jesus. She's like the woman who would push through the, the crowds as the outcast just so that she might reach out and touch the hem of, of Jesus' garment and be healed. She's like the widow who knew no sense of shame and she screamed out daily in the court of the wicked judge asking for justice. She's not going to be put off. And from the very beginning, she acknowledges that it's the right of Jesus to refuse her request. And yet this still did not keep her from believing that her daughter was worthy of being healed. You know, others in that moment might have been tempted to have thumbed their nose at Jesus and walk away. But she humbly asks for just a few small crumbs. A few crumbs that might be left over from his ministry to the Jews. A small portion she hopes for of that blessing that might just be extended to her as a Gentile in her time of need. And both the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark tells us that Jesus was moved by her response. Matthew says, well, records where Christ said, woman, you have great faith. See, Jesus was so moved by her faith, he doesn't just give her a few crumbs. We are told that he gives her everything that she wants. And he says to her, you you can go home now. Your daughter has been healed. And what's so wonderful about this story is that she doesn't hang on to Jesus. She doesn't say, well, well, you know, uh, son of David, uh, Lord God, would you come with me just to make sure? There's none of that. She goes as she's just come. And as she goes home, Mark tells us that she finds her daughter lying on the bed and the demon is gone. Praise the Lord. Wonderful story. So what does that mean, though, for you and me? You know, one of my, one of the things I enjoy best, uh, I think about preaching is often when you're, when you're in a narrative accounts. 
the gospels that they are narrative accounts they're stories that uh, you know uh, that unpack the, the the life and the times of Jesus that into each part of that narrative the question really it's just quite obvious well what's that mean for me you know what's that story mean for my life what, what am I going to do about it as a result of hearing that story well, while the details of this story certainly uh, remind us, they indicate that no one is ever beyond the, the reach of God's. Even a Gentile woman who uh, had a child who was demon-possessed, no one's beyond the reach of God's. But I think the overarching theme of this encounter shows us that God delights in responding to people's, or people's response of faith. And we're taught that repeatedly in the Scriptures. You follow uh, the life of Jesus through the Gospels and the Gospel of Mark as we've been doing, and you see that he did it time and time again. Someone who reaches out to him looking to be healed by faith. Someone who is troubled and has got a particular need, and they reach out by faith, and Jesus responds. Time and time again, we see that he marveled and was overjoyed when he saw people exercising their faith in him. You know, one of the things that uh, I often think about on a weekend when I am responsible for bringing God's word and maybe in any other setting as well too, but I'm often reminded of the words of the prophet Zechariah who said, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord. See, God doesn't get excited or, you know, he's not moved when we think we can do things ourselves or when we kind of you know, trust in our own strength and our own giftedness and we kind of move in that sense. He says, not by my, it's not by power, it's by my spirit. And this woman and her response is a beautiful example of a, of a faith-filled response that says, I can't do anything in this situation and I am completely reliant upon you stepping in and doing something for me. So as we think about the story, and as I kind of land it today, I share a couple of things that I think are really important for us here and online as well as we think about how uh, or how do we apply it. Two, two great lessons for us today, I think, about faith. And here's the first one. See, I think the first thing for us to notice is that great faith approaches Jesus boldly. That's what that story tells us. Great faith approaches Jesus boldly. The disciples, they pull away, they're kind of enjoying some downtime, and it's into the midst of their party, their time away, that this woman kind of pushes into. She's not presumptuous. In fact, she's quite humble about this, but she is undoubtedly bold and maybe somewhat bombastic in her request. Jesus, please heal my daughter. Please heal my daughter. Please do something. She's bold because she understood how great her need was. You know, the writer in the book of Hebrews uh, kind of helps us to under- helps us to understand that God delights us when we approach in this way. In Hebrews chapter four, verse sixteen, he says, "Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us." In our time of need. Do you have a need today? The reality is probably many of us here in this room could be fronting up today and we've got needs. 
things that are kind of going on in our lives, things that are kind of stirring us or things that are kind of we are wrestling with, things that are keeping us up at night time, maybe things that are on our minds, obstacles that we're kind of coming up against, uh, ways forward we're not too sure about or things that are just kind of happening. And the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I think one of the greatest challenges for us at times is that we have not because we ask not. And I realize in saying that, uh, that, uh, you know, we immediately think, oh, hang on, no, no, Dave, it's not, you know, there's no just kind of magic wand here where we wave something, then God just does what we want. I, I realize that. But sometimes I wonder if we err so much on the side of caution because we, we don't want to uh, abuse that sense of, well, you know, if we come and pray and God's going to answer us. We, we know that God's got his time and the way in which he works, but we are reminded time and time again, the story is a good example. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This woman was desperate. She had nowhere else she could go. You know, often we'll go to a whole bunch of other places first. We'll seek help from other people. Not that that's wrong, but we'll go there or we'll go seeking advice somewhere else or we'll go look into a doctor for that. And you know, the Spirit of God works through all of those things, but did we fall to our knees first? God, give me wisdom in this situation. Help me find a way through this. Bring people into my life that will give me good counsel as I endeavor to be led by you in this particular matter. God, would you lead me? Scriptures tell us time and time again that great faith is willing to approach Jesus boldly. But here's the second thing. I think as I read this story, it reminds me that great faith doesn't quit. It always perseveres. You know, I'm not sure how you might have responded if you had been in the sandals of this woman, but I'm willing to think that many of us may not have responded in a very similar way. It might have been easy for us to think, you know, kind of stand on our dig, a sense of indignation to think, who in the world do you think you are talking to me like that? In fact, you know what, I've got a hotline to a lawyer who's going to, you know, kind of be calling your people to kind of tell you, well, you know, I'm, getting, I'm not happy with that. But that's not the way in which she responded. She kept on persevering. She ignored this apparent insult and she continues to just keep begging. And when he wasn't immediately responsive being Jesus, she just kept on asking. She was persistent. She didn't give up. And while Jesus didn't answer her initial request, when she kept coming back, uh, you know, what's interesting is that I don't think he answered her because he was just tired of her begging. I think he responded because her persistence showed the reality of her faith. And he was moved. Are you persistent in your prayers or do you give up too quickly? You know, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus uh, in his teaching, uh, which... Uh, in Matthew 5 through 7, there's a whole instance there where he begins to talk about prayer. But just prior to that, he, he says these words. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. 
See, there's three words there, ask, seek, and knock. And each of them kind of denote this idea of being continuous. It's the idea of ask and, and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. That's the kind of the, the posturing of what Jesus was saying there in, in that moment. I mean, how many of us would kind of turn up at someone's house and if you knew they were there, would you just kind of just knock once? And then if you got no response, you just kind of go away? No, no, if, if you knew I was home and you were wanting to see me and I knew you were coming, you would kind of keep knocking. You'd be like, hey, Dave, Dave. You wouldn't just kind of turn up and knock once and go, oh, I'm just going to go away. And that's the same idea right here. It's the sense of ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. And Jesus says, and the door will be opened to you. See, it's good to pray for something for, uh, yeah, to bring our prayers. But are we leaning into that? Are we praying over that? Are we persistent in that? The example of this woman reminds us, says, don't just quit praying and asking uh, when the going gets tough. Keep leaning in. Great faith doesn't quit when the going gets tough. It keeps on persevering. You know, I've been following Jesus for a few years now. And, you know, when I think of faith, I think sometimes I'm probably still in the first class uh, because God has to get my attention again time and time again and remind me, Dave, you know what? I'm actually at work in this situation. I am doing something over here as well too. You see, great faith approaches Jesus boldly. And great faith doesn't quit when the going gets tough. It keeps on persevering. See, that doesn't mean that we're just going to get what we want. Because ultimately, the Spirit of God knows exactly what is best for our lives. But with that in our mind, that shouldn't stop us from boldly approaching the throne of grace. And when the going gets tough in our lives, the tough just get going. We, we double down and we keep on persevering. You know, as our team comes back and as we finish this morning, the reality is right across this room, there'll be people right here this morning that you are facing different needs. Things that are happening in your life that are going on that you're up against that you're here and maybe you're struggling today. Jesus said to us, great faith approaches him boldly. There is something as we read these stories, the heart of God is stirred. When his children, when his sons and daughters respond to him by faith. When we, when we say, you know what, not quite sure how this is going to work out, but you know what, I am going to endeavor to trust you, uh, trust, trust in you with all of my heart. That's the direction I'm going to lean. And I'm still in this place. You know, maybe nothing has changed for me, but you know, I'm going to keep leaning into this spot and I'm going to keep trusting God's. And maybe that's where you're at today and maybe that's where you're at today as you gather together online as well. The heart of God is stirred when his people respond to him by faith. I'm going to pray for us, but I'm going to ask us to stand with me right now. And as we stand, 
Maybe part of your response today is that if you've got a need in your life, I'm going to invite you as we bow our heads to just uh, maybe hold your hands out in front of you. That's just your simple acknowledgement where you're saying, Heavenly Father, I've got a need in my life. You know what that need is. And I just hand that out before you today in my act of worship. Father, around this room today and people watching online, you know the hearts of each person. Lord, you know what's being stirred. You know what's going on. And you know where people are at. So Lord, we want to respond to you by faith right now. We want to offer up to you these situations that maybe we are up against. Father, you know us well. You know that uh, we want to be able to respond, and we, we want, but we respond out of seeing you move in our lives. And so as we step out by faith, Father, I pray that you would reveal yourself by your spirit, not by might, not by power, but it's by your spirit, Lord, into the needs that exist in this room today. Lord, encourage your hearts, I pray. Move in a powerful way. Whether it's now, whether it's today, whether it's this week, Lord, would you give us the strength and the courage to persevere, to keep our heads lifted high, looking to you, trusting in you, knowing that what you've done in the past, you'll do in the future. You're a God who can be trusted in every situation of our lives. And even when things don't work in the way in which we think they should work, Father, we're going to be the kind of people that say, we still trust in you. And our faith and our trust sits in you today. Lord, would you move? Lord, would there be testimonies that would come out of people's response today as they step forward? You are worthy of all our praise and honor. And we want to be able to give you that. We want to be able to bear testimony to how you are moving in our midst. And we pray that today in Jesus' name. Amen.